Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. And our topic today is know yourself that you may know God. Now, this is the second uh, in a series of podcasts, probably eight or nine, that I'm doing uh, based on the book Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course. Actually, I think the best part of this podcast will be the final minute uh, when I will lead us into a minute of being still and silent before the Lord. Now, we're doing this eight-part series or nine-part series because uh, the workbook and the videos for the course has just been released in an expanded edition. Uh, It's actually the culmination culmination of four to five, six years of work. And uh, again, the goal of the EH Discipleship book and course was to address the core missing pieces of discipleship uh, theologically around the world and to really introduce uh, to you and others and churches a way to position yourself before God to be deeply changed by Jesus for the sake of the world. It's a big answer to a very big problem. So each of the sessions, each of the topics that we're hitting uh, is really large. So again, I'll mention it a little more thoroughly at the end, but just go check out emotionallyhealthy.org slash preview, and you'll get a taste of what I'm talking about with the videos and the workbook, etc. So these next few weeks, uh, I'll be supplementing, hopefully, your own reading and, or doing of the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course. And last week, we touched on the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality and the deep problem of the false self or pretentious self that we tend to walk around with. But this week, we're going to dive into knowing yourself that you may know God, which is really the beginning of the journey into becoming your true person, your true self in Christ, who God uniquely made you to be as a gift to the world. And actually, if you can get today's theme, know yourself that you may know God, it's so groundbreaking. It's a lifelong shift. Uh, I know it has been for me and continues to be on a daily basis. Uh, it changes everything. It really is a Copernican revolution in your relationship with yourself, with God, with other people. So let me just begin with two texts uh, to kind of frame what we're going what we're going after today. First is from John 13, 1 to 3. Uh, when Jesus is about to wash the disciples' feet uh, to the Passover, right before he's going to go to the crucifixion. And it says that Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. And so he got up from the meal and took out his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist, etc. What's so fascinating about this text is that Jesus, he knew where he came from, he came from God, and he knew he was returning to God. Uh, and he knew that the Father put everything under his power. So he's 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 a clear, self-differentiated leader. Uh, in fact, it, what makes him a, a source of his power is his sense of identity as a son of the Father. Uh, it's the source of his authority. Uh, but he knows himself, his unique place in what the Father has for him in the world, and he knows God at the same time. And we see the same uh, thing when he's in the temple— as a 12-year-old boy, uh, if you remember, after that uh, Passover, they were, the parents were returning home, but Jesus stays in the temple in Jerusalem, and they were unaware of it. And they traveled for a day, and uh, but they couldn't find Jesus. They went back to Jerusalem, and imagine their fear. They hadn't seen their son in a, uh, you know, for three days. Imagine, did they sleep that night? But after three days, they found him in the temple courts, and he's sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed, it says in Luke uh, chapter 2, and at his understanding and his answers. And his parents saw him. They were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And then Jesus responds, Why are you searching for me? 
didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Uh, then he went down to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And again, you get a great sense, a deep sense that Jesus knows who he is. Uh, he knows himself and he knows the father. He, he belongs to this family, yet he's separate uh, with a mission from the Father. In the same way, that's what we're talking about here, following Jesus, being conformed to his image in a sense of knowing ourselves and knowing God. Now, we tend to teach in our churches this exclusive, this exclusive know God. Uh, we don't talk much about know yourself that you may know God. But actually, this is one of the most important works for every leader. In fact, it's key and crucial if we're going to actually know God's will and do God's will for our lives Uh, It's leaving the bondage of other people's expectations and plans for our lives. It's actually key to becoming a loving person to others, and it's key to creating healthy community around us. Uh, And it's actually key to, I believe, entering into Scripture experientially. It opens up so much Scripture to us and what's going on behind the scenes. Because as David wrote in Psalm 139, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're unique. You're unrepeatable. Uh, God's given you uh, a unique temperament and personality and passions and desires and loves and a destiny. And uh, and so as I introduce, even in that chapter two of the EH Spirituality book, uh, I'll just quote it here from you. It says, God commands us to put off our old self and to put on the new self, Ephesians chapter four. It's Augustine understood this integration that knowing God and knowing ourselves is so tightly related where he wrote, how can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? And he prayed, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. He wrote that in the, in the 400s AD. Uh, Meister Eckhart, the great Dominican uh, scholar and demonk, wrote, no one can know God who does not first know himself. Teresa of Avila wrote in the 1500s, almost all problems in the spiritual life stem from a lack of self-knowledge. And actually, Calvin wrote in the Institutes of the Christian Religion, our wisdom consists almost entirely of two parts, the knowledge of God and of ourselves. And these are tightly, these are connected together by many ties. And it's not easy to determine which of the two precedes and gives birth to the other. Now, the vast majority of us unconsciously go to our graves without knowing who we are. We live someone else's life or at least someone else's expectations of us. And again, it does violence to us. And this was actually my own story, uh, not simply before I became a Christian, but when I came to Christ, the focus was on knowing God. I was very unaware of what was going on inside of myself. I didn't pay attention. I just knew that my heart was deceitfully wicked. Uh, who can know it? And me dwells no good thing. So why would I want to know anything about what's going on inside of me? I just wanted to know God. Uh, I didn't do emotions. I didn't do my humanity. I didn't do anger, sadness, and fear. I saw it as opposed to the spirit. I was numb on the inside. I was in a deep freeze. Uh, in fact, on top of that, I was lowly differentiated at a very much a reflected self. I, I, I mostly lived out of a false self, which we talked about a bit last week. So I, I want to talk about two key pieces or elements to get at knowing myself that I might know God. Uh, the first has to do with feelings, and I'll spend a, just a little bit of time on this feelings issue. And the second has to do with the term differentiation, where I'll spend most of our podcast today. Now, just feelings, number one, a few comments about that. I, I was taught, again, as imbalanced theology uh, of my own depravity to the point where I wouldn't listen to myself or God inside of myself. Uh, 
And it took a while to come to a balance of Genesis 1 and Psalm 139 that, oh, wait a second, I'm made in God's image. Uh, There's good inside of me too. Uh, Yes, everything's tainted by sin, but I'm made in God's image and precious. and, uh, And therefore, my humanity is not an evil thing. God feels, Jesus feels, we feel. It's what makes us human. You will be dead when you stop feeling. That's the definition of deadness. And and the great wonder of the New Testament is uh, Jesus has come, died for our sins, arisen from the dead, ascended to the Father, so that now the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, can live inside of us. And so we actually listen to God from the inside, not just the outside. And we listen to God in and through our feelings. Uh, We integrate this into the hearing of his voice and discerning his will. And we don't feel we miss so much of ourselves and of what God's saying to us. In fact, one of the key issues in discipleship today, as people come into our churches and communities, uh, people look to us for influence, we invite people to feel. Uh, And that involves leaving uh, their family of origin, which very often uh, certain feelings are not permitted. Uh, Many families, we shut down our feelings. It's leaving the culture, Western culture, which is all about addiction and denial and medicating our difficult feelings. Uh, It's leaving this... Uh, pretending to be somebody we're not, everything's praise the Lord, everything's good, versus there is a place for lamenting and grief, for example. And it's leaving lying, uh, where someone says, how are you? And say, I'm, not, I'm good, I'm good. I'm not angry. But they actually, actually are. Uh, and actually learning to feel makes possible an honest, authentic community. So we follow Jesus. Uh, and we don't follow our feelings. We actually follow Jesus, but we integrate what's going on inside of us in our feelings. And it's key to know ourselves uh, a bad theology misses that, that we are full human beings created in God's image with physical, emotional, social, intellectual, and emotion, and um, uh, spiritual dimensions. But the, when we exalt the spiritual dimension over the emotional, uh, we are actually bordering on what's been t- called in church history heresies. Uh, heresy, because Jesus is fully God and fully human. He cried, he grieved, he felt compassion, he, he expressed freely his emotions. He was a human being, fully God, but fully human. And uh, I lived a compartmentalized spirituality for the first 17 years of my Christian life. Spending, I saw spending time in prayer and the Word as way more spiritual than uh, cleaning the house uh, or listening to my kids uh, or feeling sadness. Uh, and when we don't feel, we end up living far from ourselves. We are literally, quote, beside ourselves. And so one key piece, uh, an element to know ourselves is integrating feeling, learning to feel, practicing those muscles, coming alive on the inside, and then listening for the Holy Spirit in and through them uh, as he's seeking to speak to us and guide us. But the second key element to know yourself that you may know God uh, has to do with uh, differentiation. And uh, differentiation is a term uh, the working definition I'm just sim- simply is remaining connected to people, yet not allowing my reactions or behaviors to be determined by them. Now, again, it comes out of family systems theory, but, it, but it's kind of an angle to, to illumine some rich, tremendous biblical truth to us. And again, differentiation is remaining connected to people, yet not allowing my reactions or behaviors to be determined by them. It's, it can be defined as, in some ways, emotional maturity. It's having a solid sense of self. It's, in other words, not a, not a, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I stand for. This is what I will do or not do in any given situation. 
Uh, it, it's uh, Bowen who developed this in the 50s and 60s, uh, developed a scale of 0 to 100 of differentiation, 100 being the most differentiated. Now, see, Jesus was 100% well-differentiated, 0 being undifferentiated. Uh, but, uh, for example, between 25 and 50, most people have a self, which is a false self. In other words, I know I, my sense of who I am is reflected from other people. You tell me who I am, that's who I am. Um, and if, if, if there's not a lot of pressure or anxiety, I do well. But if there's a lot of anxiety, I don't do well. I end up imitating other people because I, I want their acceptance. Again, that's a lowly differentiated person. Often uh, low differentiated people, again, 25 to 50, uh, will advocate one set of values but live another. And self-esteem soars with compliments and is crushed by criticism. So, so a critical uh, developmental task for every adult and, of course, every leader is differentiation. Uh, it's about leaving your family of origin and becoming an inner-directed adult, entering God's destiny for you and his purpose for you. Uh, there are severe consequences when we don't and when we're lowly differentiated. Um, and Jesus is our model for that. And we, we, in fact, I want to encourage you, read, next time you re- read the Gospels and just read the Gospel with this in mind of Jesus, his sense of a solid self, not a pretend self or false self, but his solid self is non-negotiably, knows who he is, where he's come from, where he's going. And thus he can empty himself, Philippians 2, uh, because he knows who he is. Now, we all have a false self to a certain extent. It's created by the emotional pressure of our families of origin and our culture. If you've ever seen the movie by Woody Allen, it's called Zelig. Uh, it's a fascinating, it's an old movie. But Zelig is actually a, a person who's famous for being nobody. He has no personality of his own. He, he has, he's, he's, his, his complete life is a, is a fake self. He becomes whoever he's with, whether it's a communist or a, uh, a Mussolini or a, it just, it's, it's a very funny show, but he, he, just mold, he just molds into whatever the environment is because he doesn't have a differentiated separate self. Uh, but it's God's intention that we know that we're loved by him, we're uniquely crafted and made by him, uh, and we, at his deep sense of of solid self, we're able to enter into the world. But they say the real measure of your differentiation or your real measure of yourself is when you go home to be with your parents or your family for three days. How old do you feel that you are? Great question. A person's level of differentiation is determined actually by three things. The level of differentiation by your parents when you were being raised, uh, because you can't help but be whatever that was, say on a scale, say they were a 32, well, you're going to end up becoming a 32. How could it be any different? Uh, it's also determined by the type of relationship as a child you had with your parents. And then finally, it's, it's impacted by the way your unresolved emotional attachments to your parents was handled in young adulthood. It has nothing to do with intellect or socioeconomic level. Um, and that, that is usually determined, but determined when you leave home between 17 and, and 22. So what's interesting is we tend to choose friends and spouses based on our level of differentiation because there's, there's a fit. That's why growing in emotional maturity or differentiation really is a, a life work. And the way we measure differentiation is by how curious you are. In other words, how, your ability to ask questions and be a non-anxious presence. It's not that you're not involved uh, or nothing's required of you. You're actually connected, but you're not anxious. You're totally present when someone's challenging you. In fact, the more differentiated I am, the more clear I am about who I am and who I am not. I think one of the great 
great models or of a person who's well differentiated is John the Baptist. He knows who he is and who he is not. He's able to say, I'm not the Messiah. They, the people are trying to project out them. You must be the Messiah, right? He's I'm not him. Uh, I'm simply the forerunner. You know, one's coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie. But there's a couple of questions you have to ask yourself as you think about, I want to grow and mature in knowing myself that I might know God. Uh, and it has to do with, with anxiety and triggers. And let me just give you a couple of examples of how this applies to me and has applied to me just even just recently. I mean, it's, it's a... Uh, I'm always listening to God, and I'm listening to myself, and growing into knowing myself that I might know God. So, writing. Um, um, I'm launching into another writing project uh, on marriage, uh, but how I even approach it, I've got to get centered into and wrestle with me. Like, who? What's God given me to say out of these, you know, decades, um, and not necessarily what quote, a publisher wants or the people want or the market wants, but what's God saying, you know, through me about this theme? Uh, my interaction I had at, we, at our board meeting, I have a great, we have a great board and emotionally have the discipleship, but even as I get tempted to be triggered or anxious, I have to be, I have to center myself. Uh, we had a large meeting with HarperCollins, our publisher, you know, another uh, large meeting, lots of people in the room, and I, I just had to Make sure I was being faithful to me, knowing myself, what's God given me to do, and his pace for that as I'm moving through this meeting uh, and dealing with expectations. Even this podcast, as I'm experimenting and it's unfolding, uh, there's a lot of people listening to the podcast, um, and I continue to ask myself, how can I be faithful, God, to you and who you've uniquely made me as this podcast unfolds? Uh, in my relationship with Jerry. Uh, as we have conversations, I, I, we're like in every marriage, we're very different people, and so I have to negotiate that. Like, okay, what's I want to be? Who am I? My preferences and likes, and then she's different. And how how do how do we function together? Uh, we have four adult children. I don't want to overfunction for them, doing for them what they can and should do for themselves. And uh, two of them have children. Uh, of course, we babysit. They're all under five. Uh, but I, I want to be sensitive to who I am, my own path God's given me, and as I'm a grandparent now as well. So I self-regulate. Uh, I did this morning uh, because I was preparing this podcast, finishing preparing this podcast, and how I even approached it. And uh, so I had to just, you know, okay, let's take a nice deep breath. So the first question is, what do I do with my anxiety? If if we're lowly differentiated, our only response in anxiety in, in, to crises or difficulties is anxiety, or we get reactive. So what do I do when I'm flooded? Can I slow down is the question. Can I be intentional and thoughtful? Or do I flee to my strengths and avoid it, try to avoid the anxiety? I'm, I mean, I, I, for years, I, I, would, uh, I would not say hard things at team meetings. Because it would, or when people would be disagreeing with me, I'd be very triggered. I'd just kind of ease things over because I was... Again, I was just, I didn't like conflict. I didn't like saying hard things to people that they might not like me. Or uh, I, didn't, I didn't want to lead meetings where I knew it would disappoint someone if it went a certain direction. Uh, I didn't like talking about money uh, because I'd get anxious about money, going back to my family of origin. I didn't like change or transitions. But the really good question I, I had to grow and learn is can I hold the other people's anxiety? Can I, can I, can I, can I calm myself down? Because good leadership 
flows from our capacity to think clearly and to reflect and to make choices based on our values and not be reactive or impulsive. It's, it's this ability to self-regulate when flooded, and we all get flooded. Um, that's why silence is so key. I know for me in daily offices, to get away, um, self-reflection uh, is so key, and self-awareness of one's body uh, so I don't take a dive. I thought Jerry and I talk a lot about the importance of listening to our bodies because very often God's speaking to us and we can't, we're, our bodies are full of anxiety or tightness and they know before our mind does what's going on. So I want to ask, so the question you want to ask yourself is, as you think about know yourself that you may know, God, I want to grow in this. Um, I want to grow in my ability to feel, but I also want to grow in my level of differentiation. As you want to begin to monitor, what do I do? What do, what do you do with your anxiety? How can you self-regulate and self-reflect and be, you know, take a nice deep breath and center down so you can, not not unhealthy, not in an unhealthy way, follow your feelings, but think clearly and make choices based on your values. But the second key question is, what do I? How easily triggered am I? How easily triggered are you? And uh, I like to do I like to do a role play um, with people uh, and and say things that would upset them to see how they might respond. So I, I take some examples that people would have said to me over the years. You know, Pete, I got nothing out of that sermon. It was awful. Well, the question is, how, how, you know, well, who do you think you are? You know, I get easily triggered. Or, Pete, you're a racist. Uh, you're, just, you're just protecting your white friends, you know. And, well, you know. And, or, Pete, I, I don't, I, I believe in the vision of the church. I, I just don't believe God can do it through you. Or, um, <coughs> I don't believe you have any executive leadership uh, skills. And you shouldn't even be a lead pastor. You couldn't lead us out of a, uh, lead us out forward if a, out of a paper bag if your life depended on it. Or, Pete, you know, I'm leaving the church. My needs aren't being met here. I'm not growing. Uh, and again, so how easily triggered I am I? And my, what's my ability to actually ask questions, be curious, and say, well, tell me about it. What, what was it about that sermon you didn't get much out of? Or what makes you think that, you know, what behaviors have I done recently that cause you to wonder if, hmm, it does seem like a racist? Or uh, what makes you conclude that uh, I can't be the leader if the vision of this, of this church is going to go forward? And you're actually able to listen and be curious, ask questions, even laugh. Being playful is a, a very key element of growing more differentiated because we're not so enmeshed or fused with people that we get so triggered. Remember, there's good pain and there's bad pain. Good pain moves you to your destiny. Bad pain keeps you from it. Uh, that's, like, that's why sparing people pain is sometimes increasing dependency and leads to a lower level of functioning by them. Uh, that's why, for me, uh, a key thing for me in, in my own anxiety and uh, about things, I always have lots of visions and dreams. Is I sit down and say, okay, what what are my what do I sense God wants me to do here? What are my goals? And then what are the steps to get to that? How much time is each step going to take? Uh, boy, that's that's painful for me, but it's good pain. Uh, it's the better parts of myself growing up. So you want to get to know yourself, you know, how God built you. Uh, you know, you even just something as simple, and Jerry and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, about extroversion or introversion. I mean, even just knowing you're an extrovert or introvert, where you draw your energy from, is such a key element of how you move through the world. Um, Jerry didn't know she was an introvert because uh, she grew up with seven kids and her mom was a super high extrovert. 10 on a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, but she goes, well, I just had known that growing up in my 
childhood and teenage years and young adult years. It would have changed everything. Didn't, didn't respect it. So you want to get to know yourself. Your Enneagram. Enneagram is a fantastic tool. Attachment theory, how that impacted you. And genogram. Uh, but because it's all very, very helpful to then begin to let to know God and to know yourself and listen to his voice through you. I mentioned four things uh, at the end of the chapter in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality and in the course where to help move into a greater differentiation. Uh, the first is, is to integrate silence and stillness, uh, a contemplative life. Knowing yourself takes time and uh, being still before the Lord is key. Uh, I went to, I never forget that going through a, a 10 day silent retreat at a Trappist monastery a number of years ago, and I felt like I was being dismembered. Parts of my false self were just being shed by day three, five, seven, nine. Uh, but my, for me, daily silence uh, is so key to staying grounded, to know myself that I'm knowing God. Uh, number two is you want to look for compa- wise companions for the journey, folks who are a little bit ahead of you, a bit more mature. That's why I, I love the local church. I believe the church is you know, the key place in the world where we can develop healthy mothers and fathers of the faith who can guide us. But you want to look for companions who are a bit ahead of you. Again, maybe outside your local community, uh, directors, therapists, mentors, uh, and thirdly, you want to move out of your comfort zone. Growing in differentiation is uncomfortable, uh, really uncomfortable, But you're because re- you're rewiring yourself from the inside out. And then finally, it takes courage because you will get pushback. Uh, the people around us, generally, whether it's our family, workplace, friends, closest relationships, they're systems. You got to start thinking systems and process, not simply content. Uh, there's, there's always going to be some kind of resistance for us changing. And so it takes courage to move forward. The church needs leaders and people who are highly differentiated, who know themselves and know God. So you want to ask God for courage to lead. You want to say, Lord, help me be comfortable in my own skin. And Lord, help me be clear about my vision and the values, what you've given me to do. I like what Rosa Parks said about sitting in the back of the bus. She goes, I cannot not do this. I will not sit in the back of the bus. I'm sitting in the front. But that that phrase, I cannot not do this. Uh, that's what you want to get to about certain issues because it doesn't matter what, you know, consequences. You just, I cannot not do this. And so you're able to have then difficult conversations. God really does have a dream for your life and my life. And that involves knowing yourself. It's a lifelong journey. I love the way, because you're unrepeatable and we have only one you as a gift to the world. I love what Parker Palmer says in Let Your Life Speak. He says, before I can tell my life what I want to do with it, I must listen to my life telling me who I am. Vocation is not a goal to be achieved, but a gift to be received. Accepting the treasure of true self I already possess. It comes from a voice in here, calling me to be the person I was born to be, to fulfill the original selfhood given me by God at birth. Anytime we can listen to true self and give it the care it requires, we do so not only for ourselves, but for the many others whose lives we touch. I love it, as has been said, to live unfaithfully to yourself is to cause others great damage. Listen, we only have one you, you're unrepeatable, and you're a gift to the world. So again, let me invite you to go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash preview and download and check out a a free session video there and and session one of of that workbook of Emotionally Healthy 
uh, spirituality. Now we've just again launched a brand new refresh of those materials. And once you get that workbook, you get lifetime access to all course streaming videos for the rest of your life anywhere in the world. So if you've already taken the course or are taking the course, it's a great way to deepen the content uh, in you. But if you're not currently part of a church uh, that's offering the course, uh, do it yourself as a taster, devotionally. Uh, and then maybe you can go pilot the course with your church and ask permission to do that because doing it in community is a place of real transformation. But you can start with just doing it devotionally. And uh, so just check out emotionallyhealthy.org slash preview. Listen, just one final note before we do our minute of silence. Uh, leaders are in a great role, a rare role, a rare position to actually foster the maturing and health and growth of people around us. Uh, leaders, we have, uh, pastors, we have access to families uh, over years. Uh, multi-generational traditions are formed. Uh, there are rites of passage we're right in the middle of, funerals, weddings, baptisms, doors swing open to those. Uh, and people recognize us as leaders. And what a moment to invite people to grow and mature. Uh, that's why knowing yourself that you may know God has a massive ripple effect. So with that, let's just take um, a minute of silence to be still before the Lord. You've heard a lot of words, and I want to invite you to just close your eyes, unless you're driving, of course, or walking. Uh, keep your eyes open, but let's, let's be silent before him, be still before the Lord, and allow him maybe to, he may want to speak to you about one thing you've heard here in this podcast that he wants you to take with him. Let's begin. Amen, everybody. Thank you very much. Have a great day.